You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley and with me this week is Ben Stegner. Hi, Ben. Hello, Christian. I feel like it's been a long time since we've talked, so it's, it's good to be back. I think it is. I mean, it's not a long time since you've been on the podcast because you were on the podcast like three weeks ago, but it is ages That's true. since we've, yeah, it's ages since we've actually spoken. If I pull up our little uh, schedule that we have, we last recorded on the 5th of June. Well, it has been a while then. Yeah, so my voice has been months. going out to the masses, but uh, we got a lot of content out of what we recorded, I guess. So that's definitely uh, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was of course because I was uh, on holiday, so a few uh, shows were uh, pre-recorded. But um, over the past uh, two weeks, uh, Gavin and I have been uh, back to it, and now Ben's back with us, and uh, we have got a selection of uh, news items that matter to how you uh, use your technology, and then we've got some tips and tricks with. Uh, I think we've got a heavy gaming vibe in uh, this week's show, haven't we? Yeah, which uh, seems to always happen when I'm on because yes. I love games. So, yeah, I'm not complaining. I don't want to inundate people with gaming content. But, uh, yeah, it does seem to happen when I'm around. But, yeah, there's always something happening in the gaming world, right? Well, exactly. It just keeps on going, doesn't it? Uh, but we'll start with the news. And the first one is, uh, well, there's this whole thing to do with uh, Twitter and X. Or X.com. And this this strange sort of monosyllable. Well, it's not even a syllable, is it? monoid rebranding mono letter yeah it's odd rebranding of twitter into something that feels like a dating app maybe with x i don't know it's or a shopping app i saw someone mention and um, or like a in a movie when they like can't use real copyrighted names <laughs> it feels kind of like that it's like the fake you see what they said on x oh like the, do you know what this yeah. deserves a thank you Thank you. Absolutely bang on, yeah. So um, X.com is, um, you know, it's rolling out. There's X's all over Twitter. I, I saw someone did a survey on Twitter earlier. Are you seeing Twi- the bird or are you seeing an X? And it was something like 70, 30 in favour of the X. So it's happening to a lot of people. Um, but in Indonesia, there's a bit of a problem um, because they have very strict anti-pornography laws in Indonesia. And... Elon Musk, um, Elon Musk, Elon Musk's uh, <laughs> rebrand has been reportedly blocked. There reports the Independent, the UK Independent, which is quite amusing in many ways because I mean, you and I were talking about this, and n- neither is it particularly impressed with X. It just feels completely bland rebrand, isn't it? Yeah, I, I totally joyless. agree. Um, one of my biggest issues with I don't want me to jump ahead here. It, well, a couple things. First is that it, you're taking one of the biggest, most well-known social network names and just throwing all that away. Like Facebook, Twitter. I feel like are the. I mean, they were two of the big, two of the first big ones. And also, the the thing I really hate is that all, Twitter had so much branding and uh, what's the right word charm i guess around it like the home icon on the app was a birdhouse um this they don't do this anymore but back in the day when you were a new user you got a like egg icon for your default profile picture that you could change you had to change um they've changed retweet to repost which retweet is like in at the core of twitter right and now repost just sounds like you're reposting something like which is 
looked down upon on sites like Reddit. It's like all of the fun, clever, like the logo is iconic. That's just gone. I, I, it's very just sterile and sad to me. Not sad, but just kind of pitiful, I guess is a better word. Yeah, it's just, like I say, it feels joyless. Like the the, the fun is being taken out of it with this bland symbol with its odd choice of typeface. And there's no, like, words that, like, like obviously, you know, Google is a word now as, a, as an obvious example, but, like, Twitter kind of became that. It's, it's easy to say, yeah. like, oh, I follow him on Twitter, or did you, did he, like, he tweeted that blah, blah, blah. That's so natural to say, like, someone tweeted something. What do you say now? It was it was a post on X, or he X'd that. Like, it just sounds, how do you even make clever words out of that? I, I, I X'd you, I X'd something. That sounds yeah, very stupid. Do it doesn't, it's just doesn't work it's uh, very silly so um i mean uh i wouldn't say it's too late to backtrack on this but it's just seemed a foolish thing and obviously indonesia will work something out i dare say but oh it's just it's it feels like the end of an era i i agree and it just feels very i mean not that i have like rosy memories i mean twitter itself is fun has been fun you know i'm not saying it's like oh i have so many good memories i'm gonna like cry over but i agree it just <laughs> feels very not charming anymore what i'm curious about with this story too i i can't tell from what's in this coverage like if they had problems with porn on twitter that should have already been, they should have already had problems with that because that's been on the platform for a long time is it am i, I i'm understanding it that it's like x.com looks like a yeah. porn site and that's why that's why they're worked up about it which is another like totally why would you ever pick that when it has that association online like i just don't get that at all so i guess that's more their problem is that it looks bad not what's on it's bad yeah exactly yeah it's uh well i mean a bit of thought put into things could have avoided that but we'll move on now i went to the uh, cinema the other night and i watched mission impossible 7 which i enjoyed greatly nice. and um one of the adverts there was um, before the movie was for the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 5, and it was one of the most entertaining adverts. I'm not a big fan of adverts these days, but this was one of the most entertaining adverts I'd seen in a long time. So the premise of the advert was basically some girls go on a trip to a lake and they see um, a phone, a, a Galaxy Flip Z Flip, and the idea is if you look at one, then it's... Um, it sort of uh, bores into your mind and you can't forget it. And in a sort of like a, a horror movie trope. It was really well done. And it got me thinking about these these phones. So it did exactly the job it's supposed to do. And um, the Galaxy um, Z Flip 5 has uh, been announced a few days ago. And it's got a uh, few, uh, few features we should probably just quickly run through. So it has a gapless hinge. Which is a refine a refinement on the previous uh, hinges. Um, it'll fold completely flat without a gap, um, which helps reduce the thickness of the device, stops dust and water passing through. And of course, you know these these foldable phones are kind of a it's a, a it's a revisiting of an old phone format, isn't it? And they, I mean, they do look a bit like castanets, but at, at the same time, they do look quite cool. Um, you get a bigger cover screen with it. You get two hundred and fifty-six gigabytes basic uh, base storage. Uh, it features a Snapdragon eight Gen two chip, which 
is the same as in the Galaxy S23 Ultra, and it comes in a uh, collection of uh, new colours, including graphite, lavender, cream, and mint. But I have to say, that advert is absolutely superb. And guess the news, <laughs> this news item's about an advert. I was going to say, well, first I was going to say, uh, I'm surprised you don't enjoy having to watch 20 minutes of commercials when you go to a movie. That's my favorite part. <laughs> Um, I saw the movie last Tuesday. It was before the event. It was on uh, Monday. Monday. There was an right. Overwatch commercial when I went to see it, which I've never seen an Overwatch commercial like that in a movie before. Um, yeah, but that, that's cool, though. I mean, like you said, the point of an ad is to get you thinking about something. So it definitely yeah. did its job. Um, I My parents both have the Flip, uh, the Z Flip 4. And the first thing right. I noticed when I saw these pictures was the, the much bigger screen on the front, which... I, I haven't played around with their phones too much, but it seems to me like the uh, the Flip 4's front screen is kind of just like the time and the weather. It's pretty simple, whereas this seems a lot more... Uh, okay. Like it was a lot Hang more on. real estate for, for changes. We just need to unpack something there. Now, I don't mean to pry unnecessarily, but how old are your parents? Uh, like 55, 60s. Okay, because these phones are clearly aimed at teenagers or, you know, 20-something. So I'm quite intrigued that uh, your parents have got one. Well, they, um, well, I'm trying to think of what's led them to that. They've switched phone providers once or twice. Um, they switched to T-Mobile recently, and I'm pretty uh -huh. sure this was like the best, when they switched, like the right. best deal that T-Mobile had at the time was uh, was on these phones. Okay. So I guess they figured they'd give them a try. I forget what phone, they, they had a, um, I forget what it was before, OnePlus or something, they weren't a huge yeah. fan of it. So right. um, they've both had Samsung phones in the past and liked those, so. I guess this was just the deal um, that was around and they liked it. So, yeah, I mean, they both had, I remember, I'm pretty sure the first phone I remember, I remember my mom having a razor, like the, like the, the razor that was super popular here. Um, I think both my parents had one of those. That's the first phone I really can think about having them have. They might've had a flip phone before that, but I just don't remember it. So yeah, it kind of goes full circle, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, I have trouble getting my parents to actually use a phone properly. Never mind them. Um... <laughs> choosing the best phone on the market but that's another matter entirely different generations we're going to move on netflix oh my god i mean when i saw this i literally could not believe what i was reading i thought it was like i almost thought it was like a spoof like from babylon b or one of those days. sites mm -hmm. it just did not make any logical sense so in the middle of a hollywood strike of actors and writers netflix is listing ai jobs not only are they listing ai jobs one of them pays up to $900,000 per year. That is quite a bit of money. It goes beyond tone deaf, doesn't it? it it's kind of lacking hearing completely. I could not believe it. What are they... I mean, this is, this is shooting yourself in the foot. This is squatting on a landmine, an avoidable landmine. It's... I mean, you, you can quite honestly see... a. A, a direct line from this of people refusing, actors and writers refusing to work with Netflix. It's crackers. Yeah, I mean, if they're just advertising that they're, hey, we want to do this, like, that means people would be not happy to work with Netflix in the future because they know they were willing to do this now. And I'm sure, I mean, I don't know what the average, I mean, obviously, like, big name actors make lots of money from their movies, but I mean, the average like starter to mid-range actor i'm sure is not making that kind of money you know no. like whatever like all the shows they're in for the year on netflix or whatever so i mean that's bonkers money as you said exactly i mean now rob delaney who um has a good sort of uh, transatlantic career in the uk and the us in various comedies he said that um nine hundred thousand k per year 
um, per soldier in their godless AI army when that <laughs> amount of earnings could qualify 35 actors and their families for SAG-AFTRA after a health insurance is just ghoulish. Um, that's what uh, Rob Delaney said to The Intercept. And you can absolutely see his point. It's crackers. That's a, that's a lot of... I mean, I guess Netflix's thinking is that's a lot of money to pay somebody, obviously. I assume that their thinking is like, you know, if we get this right and we use AI to write a bunch of shows and stuff, we're saving a lot of money in the future. I mean, obviously, that's very, like, depressing. I'm not I'm saying I approve of it, obviously, but just... The fact that they're willing to pay almost a million dollars a year for someone's pay to do this is, I just, given from what I've seen of AI so far, even how much it's advanced, I don't think, like, I don't see even with human involvement, AI producing that great of a script that you'd pay that much for someone to, like, come no. over what it spits out. No, I agree. I, I, I just don't, I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, aside from it being tone deaf, like you said, I think it's just depressing and silly just suggest it uh, you um subscribe to some archive tv services and watch some classic old tv instead now as i mentioned earlier on we've got a bit of gaming talk to um continue the show with and um we've had this really interesting article published on makeyourself.com in the past week which um piqued my interest because my initial answer was no um which was our <laughs> max the future of pc gaming this was by um joey morales which is it poses an interesting question it's all about the hardware that um, apple max is shipping now and their capabilities when it comes to gaming isn't it yes and the classic joke of you know gaming on a mac has kind of been a punchline for a while so anything that could upend that would be definitely interesting to well, it's uh, a funny thing isn't it because yeah. you know 30 years ago gaming on a mac was an absolutely fine proposition there was lo a lot of um games that would come out on mac some games came out on a mac only and not on pc um you know in the um i mean i said 30 years ago i might be like yeah about 93 so yeah so we're talking about you know you've, you've got um the amiga and the um the dying days of the atari st you've got the um the apple max of the time and you've got pc and it was really it wasn't really until sort of 1995 well 94 95 and windows 95 where the pc really started to um um leap ahead of the other computers so you had this period where you would have games released on a Mac, you would have games released on PC, you would have games released on Amiga and a couple of other 16-bit systems, and there would be very little crossover. They all had their own ecosystems. And th then the PC got its advantage over everything else, really. And although there were the various things, you know, The Sims maybe, um, a few other... Um, more strategy-based tactics rather than FPSs and RPGs and things. But largely, the PC and then the consoles moved away from uh, what the Apple was doing. So seeing seeing this is um, it's kind of encouraging, I suppose, if it means people with a Mac don't have to worry too much about compatibility and running virtual machines and stuff. Yeah, I, that was before my time. So that time you're yeah. referencing is not something I experienced, but I, I think that it was more... I guess it was more before things were super standardized would be the best way mm, to put it. Um, definitely. And I, I feel like I remember too, I guess when games were more distributed by like CD, I, I feel like I remember seeing more yeah. computer games that were 
on both Mac and and Windows. Well, all of them shipped on the same disc. Properly, I've but. got um, a copy of um, Championship Manager '99, and I think that had the PC and the Mac version on the same disc. Yeah, like I thought that seems to me like that was more common back in the day, but maybe I'm just remembering wrong. I do remember we've written a couple articles. Um, I remember a couple years ago, Steam kind of made a push for Mac representation, if that's the right word. Like there was more clear, there were clearer labels on what worked on a Mac. Um, mm-hmm. There were different, better ways to search for it. I'd be interested to look up stats on, you know, how many games that are on Steam work on Mac. I'm sure it's a small percent. Um, but a lot of, I think a lot of indie games do aim for that. If they don't release on Windows, at, if, if they only, if they only release on Windows at first, Sometimes like Kickstarters will have, you know, Mac and Linux versions as a, a stretch goal or something. Yeah. So I think it has been getting better, but I mean, yeah, like big time. If you only want to play like big AAA games that I don't think Macs are going to be it anytime soon, really. Um, but I'm glad there's more, you know, indie representation. And the article makes a good point too about um, there's no big like subscription service um, for like games on Mac. I know there's Apple Arcade, but that's if you want to play those kinds of games, you're probably going to play them on your phone anyway. So there's no, you know, game pass for Mac kind of thing, like a big, all you can eat high quality games. Um, And I also think that, I mean, knowing what I know about just gamer culture, I think most PC gamers are people that want to, you know, put their brig together and upgrade things and squeeze every drop of performance out of it. Those people aren't going to want to pay for a Mac that they can never upgrade and that's way more expensive for what you get. So I don't see this going anywhere. I mean, I'm glad that people that already choose to have a Mac for whatever reason can have more game options, but I don't think Macs will ever become anywhere close to as dominant as Windows has for for PC games. They're not going to be the first choice of PC games, are they? But there's there's going to be good games. There's going to always going to be good games available on the Mac. It's just it's not going to be the way things are heading for the PC gaming platform at the moment. I don't think it's funny that we're talking about PC gaming, really, isn't it? Like ten years ago, they were saying that you know the the end was coming for PC gaming, and here we are. And I I don't think it's ever been at a higher standard. I've heard people say, I've watched different videos where people say that consoles could be ending as well. I feel like it's just, I don't know, a lot, there's a lot of hot air flowing around out there. You know, just people saying what, something's going to, I mean, people said that when like stream, game streaming started, like, yeah, you know, like Stadia is going to kill consoles or whatever. Speaking of this kind of off topic, but I, I played my first game via streaming uh, over the last couple of weeks. Okay. Um, I played, so the Sly Cooper games, um, I played the first one as a kid and I played the second one. There was a remat. There were three games on PS2. There's a remastered collection that was on PS3. I, when I borrowed it from a friend in high school, I, I played one again and then two, but I didn't play three in time before I gave it back to him. So I streamed the Sly collection you, on my PS5. I streamed it with PlayStation Plus and it was pretty solid overall. There were a couple little stutters, um, but other than like when you opened it up, it's like checking for space on the server. And if you're idle for more than like 10 minutes, it warns you it's going to kick you off. So it makes space. Right. But other than a few very minor bumps, it was a pretty smooth experience. You wouldn't even know you were streaming. Cool. I know Gavin uses the uh, the NVIDIA servers a lot. Um, yeah, I've heard of that as well. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, obviously, it was four years ago nearly that I uh, reviewed the Google Stadia. Um, so, so you guys didn't have to basically and um (laughs) it's um the main core of it the actual streaming bit i thought was fine i don't think there was really a problem with that the problem was with um 
everything around it. You know, the, the availability of games, like secondary options like saving game clips and downloading the game clips uh, particularly, that was a big problem. And also the idea of you having to have this uh, special hardware when really you didn't need to have that special hardware, uh, which again is, a mis- I think we referred to this a few weeks ago, I think it was with Gavin, it's a mistake that uh, Amazon is making at the moment with its gaming service. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think we talked about this at the time, but the other thing that was weird to me about game streaming, not not game streaming in itself, but like devices like Stadia specifically, yeah. is that it's it, the niche is just not there. Like you have hardcore gamers that are already going to have the latest console or play on PC, and then you have casual people who maybe like play on their phone or maybe they have a Switch or that kind of thing. Yeah. So Stadia is this weird mix where it's like, we have hardcore games, quote unquote, but like you have to have a fast enough internet connection to stream and you yeah. have to not already own these games elsewhere. Like it's, it's just, I guess you could say that it's a cheaper barrier to entry. Like if you want to get started playing some quote unquote hardcore games, like it's cheaper to buy a Chromecast or at the time, obviously sign up for the service, try it for a month or two, then to like buy a $500 console and realize you don't like it. So I, it is kind of like just it's, it's a it was a weird proposition just because it's who's it really for which i think it was one of your points in your original review yeah it was and of course you know it was uh, closed in uh, 2022 last year and the last year yeah in the last year and then uh, refund refunded all the hardware that people bought for it as well which was which was good uh so um so yeah so that was the end of that so um going back to the mac um i don't know I mean, you can, what, what do you ever run PC games on a Mac? So I know you can. There's that whole there's that thing, isn't there? Which the name of which is skating, but you you can run P, uh, Windows in like as Wine or Boot Camp. Boot Camp, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, so the problem I would say problem. What's changing with that is that on Apple Silicon Macs, um, it's to my knowledge you can't use Boot Camp oh, because. Of course. Like yeah. with an older Change Mac, obviously it's on an Intel processor, but yeah, so that's, I don't know if there's a, I think there's third party tools that are basically doing the same thing. I don't know if they just like partition your hard drive for you and then let you sign into windows, but there's third party tools, but right. not quite as easy as it used to be. So there is that option, but that's not going to be an option as older Macs start to age out. Well, speaking of which, when, when is it time to replace your Mac? Because they are going to get old. You've already mentioned that it's not easy to upgrade them. So how do you know when it's time to um, to make that uh, take that step? That was a beautiful transition. I, that was totally by accident that I said that. I think um, <laughs> that, was, that was great. That led right in. Yeah. So um, I have an article that I updated recently that kind of talks about two questions: like how long does a Mac last, and then like what are the signs it's time to replace your Mac? So let's talk about the first, and then we can look at some of the signs. So. To give us an idea, um, I don't know if you know this, but Apple actually has a vintage and obsolete products page that it where it keeps it tells you what those words mean in its case, and then it tells you uh, how you can obtain service for them and what they actually are. So, uh, a vintage product is called so if it hasn't been sold by Apple for more than five but less than seven years, and then it becomes obsolete if Apple discontinued the product more than seven years ago. So importantly, that refers to like Apple's first party sales. That doesn't refer to you know, it was for sale in some shop in the mall or whatever. Um, so one of the biggest ways that you know if it's time to replace your Mac is if it can't run the latest version of uh, Mac OS. So um, 
just as an example, at the time of our recording, uh, Mac OS Monterey, which is version 12, is the latest stable version. Um, and Mac models from the, the, the oldest Mac models that can run it are Mac Pro models from late 2013 and Mac Mini models from late 2014. Um, most other laptops that from 2015 and later run it. So okay. um, from from there, you generally get um, support. I believe Apple supports each version for two or one to two years. So like when the next version comes out, the current version is supported with just security patches for at least a year. So right now, um, Big Sur is still supported with security updates if your machine won't get Monterey, which is the latest version. So if you're stuck on an older version, you get security updates for a bit, but at some point they are going to uh, stop supporting that and then it'll be time to upgrade. Um, the short version is that you can probably expect about 10 years of life from a Mac. Um, that's just on the hardware support, obviously uh, on the Mac OS support, I should say. That doesn't include other problems we'll talk about in a second. Um, there's also third-party software considerations, but everything that I've looked at, uh, Chrome, Spotify, and Dropbox, um, they all require Mac OS High Sierra, which came out in 2017. So um, even if Apple stops supporting your version, chances are the most popular software, as long as it's not really demanding software, uh, will still be supported. So I can go over the ways you know it's time to replace your Mac, unless you have any uh, thoughts or questions on that. I was, but I was slightly distracted by the fact there's an apple on the floor behind me that won't boost, and I keep trying to repair it. Maybe it's time to replace it. Yeah, it's um, well, it's a very old one. It's one of the um, clamshells with the crazy colours from the nineties. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's an orange one. I think it's a G three. And I was I was browsing through the list that you gave me, and it's not on there. Um, so, because of course it's not on there, because it's like it's not even it's it's beyond obsolete. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's in the archaic sense, I would say. Yeah, so I guess to summarize all that, the calculation I made is if you bought a brand new Mac in 2023, it would yeah. probably get Mac OS updates until 2030, okay. and then that last version that you got would probably get support until 2033 or maybe 2032. And then uh, most thir third-party tools would last for a couple more years. So I'd say 10 solid years, but it depends on your usage. Um, That's other not than bad, that, actually, because I think Apple has a bad reputation for this. But that 10 years is fine, isn't it? I've, I've thought that when I used Android more, that was also one of the things I thought was really great about iOS support is that Apple, and it's even better nowadays, I think, Apple is really good at supporting older iPhones with the latest version of iOS. So mm -hmm. like if we go to... The iOS 17 page, we can look at what uh, devices that's supported on. Let me take a look here. I don't have that right in front of me. I'm scrolling down. All right, iOS 17 works uh, back to the iPhone SE second generation and the iPhone 10R. So the iPhone 10R came out in 2018. So that yeah. means that a, uh, a, fi a five-year-old phone is getting this update, which is pretty good. You know, I mean, if you have a five-year-old, if you bought your phone five years ago, you're Still getting this update and then that's yeah. going to last you for a year and then they might even support it with security updates next year when ios 18 comes out so um i've always thought that was a big win for apple products honestly when i used to use android it felt like they bumped you off support so quickly and that's one of the biggest reasons to get to a new device particularly um, samsung samsung are particularly bad at it so other, other providers might um, manufacturers might give you your um your updates for a little bit longer but samsung get you off like three years iPhone. Which seems just so short, especially when yeah. you think about whether it's Mapple with desktop versions or even with Windows. I mean, you have to have a really old computer to not get Windows updates anymore. And that's generally due to like your processor being too old, not just like 
Exactly. Like it can't it can't keep up with the min- with the uh, minimum requirements. Um, other quicker uh, signs that you might need to replace your Mac soon. Uh, that's the big one. But um, another one is your Mac constantly lacks free space. If your system is so old that you bought it with uh, not a lot of space by today's standards, and you're having to juggle space all over the place, that's probably a sign you might need to upgrade it because modern Macs you can't really replace uh, the storage drive. So your external storage is really your only option. Um, Another sign is that your Mac's hardware isn't powerful enough. So if your machine is pretty old, you want to, um, you know, run a video editor or run a lot of apps at once or whatever you're trying to do. Um, if your machine struggles to keep up, uh, fills up the RAM processors, not powerful enough, that kind of thing. Um, probably a time to move on um, with the battery also being a particular concern. So uh, as we talked about before, batteries only have a certain number of cycles before they're spent and need yeah. to be replaced. So if you've used your MacBook for so long that it only lasts an hour or two on a charge, you can get the battery replaced. But if it's old enough, it probably makes more sense to put that money towards a new machine instead of uh, replacing the battery. Um, other obvious sign is your Mac has hardware damage. So if you've dropped it and the screen's cracked, that kind of thing, um, that kind of stuff builds up over time, kind of like an old car until you kind of hit the point where you're just yeah. sick of dealing with all those problems and then decide to get it replaced. Um, if you have frequent software issues, same kind of thing. Um, maybe you just have, there's buggy problems with your computer's hardware that are causing it to freeze up, that sort of thing. Um, and then finally, I do have a recommendation near the end that uh, you should wait until the right timing to buy a new Mac. Um, the site Mac Rumors has a really great buying guide that I recommend where they keep track of basically the um, the average time that it takes Apple to release every product. So on average, there's 400 days between Apple TV releases or whatever. Um, and then so it tells you, you know, if it's about to get to the point where Apple's probably going to release a new product in that line, you don't want to buy it right now because then you're paying full price for an older product that they're about to replace. And you could get that that older one for cheaper or a brand new one for that same price. So um, if you can wait and it's not urgent, it's probably a good idea to keep an eye on that. So you're not uh, buying a product that's that old when you could get a brand new one for the money. Wow. Yeah. Good tips. Good tips. It's, um, yeah. I, I, have you, I mean, what's your relationship with Max in terms of um, buying a new one? Are you, have you, done oh, we're, that we're engaged. We're getting okay. married next month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so I, that was, that was probably stupid. Sorry. Um, yeah. I, so I have a, um, I bought a 20, I, when, the, when Apple released that like MacBook, like not, not the Pro or the Air, just the, the 12 inch MacBook, it was kind of called. Um, I bought that because I, when I became the, um, the, the Mac deputy editor for the site. I needed a Mac. Yeah. Um, cause my, I had one that was really old. So I got that and I had that for four years, I want to say. And then, um, in 2020, I got the M one MacBook air traded that in and I've had that since. So I've, I have, I've, I've never had a Mac. Well, I have an older one. My friend gave me, that's like one of those 2010, like old, like unibody MacBooks, like the old MacBook one that's just plastic. Um, that's obviously totally out of commission. Still has a CD drive in it. So I have that just for legacy purposes. But yeah, I've never like had a primary Mac that I have for so long that it needs to be replaced. Um, it was one of those things where I thought it was about time for an upgrade where my current one wasn't totally obsolete, but it was starting to get old. So... It's recommendations time, that part of the show where we um, offer up something that we've experienced and enjoyed in a uh, technical or uh, electronic or uh, mechanical sort of way. I mean, I'm stretching the uh, 
definitions there slightly, aren't I? But um, uh, Ben's got something to recommend. I've got something to recommend as well. And unfortunately, I don't have it to hand. Um, but I will go first. And it is the GPD Win4 Gaming Handheld, which has a 6-inch 1080p display. It's got an AMD uh, Ryzen um, APU inside. It's absolutely mental how good it is, actually. And, um, I mean, my heart did sink when it booted into Windows 11. But um, once I got Your over... OS. Oh, yes. Once I got over that and uh, installed uh, Steam and then put Steam into uh, big picture mode, it was, it was almost like handling a Steam Deck. Except it's a lot smaller. Um, it's probably about... I would say it's about two inches narrower. But the, the, um, the most important thing is it's about twice as powerful as a Steam Deck. I was playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and... You know, I was expecting maybe the odd bit of stuttering or maybe cutscenes not working properly. It was absolutely fine. It was played beautifully. Now, I did think about installing Survivor as well. Firstly, I would have to buy a Jedi Survivor. Secondly, the PC version has got a really bad reputation for being buggy. So I thought that wasn't really going to be a fair assessment of the device. But um, so I've installed a few other things from my Steam library. And yeah, it plays really, it handles everything really well. The, the battery life's not great. It probably lasts about, lasts a day on standby. And okay. pl- playing a AAA game, it lasts about an hour. But I mean, I wouldn't expect much more than that from the Steam Deck anyway. So uh, the only difference is the GPD Win 4 is knocking $1,000, so if not more. So uh, it's not cheap, but it is a good piece of kit. And I, uh, if you're looking to get into, um, you know, getting a portable PC gaming system that you can take with you or then just dock and have it hooked up to your TV, um, display, monitor, whatever, with a game cons- uh, with a game controller to hand on Bluetooth when you're uh, back at home, then I would, if you're finding the um, Steam Deck is difficult to get hold of or whatever, then I would suggest this is a uh, more than adequate replacement and possibly a, a mark, you know, a marking point for where uh, Valve's going to um, position the next model of Steam Deck as well. Yeah, fancy stuff. As, uh, as we talked about before, I... Uh I don't think this type of device is really for me because I don't I've, I've played handheld games less and less over the years. I, I played a lot when I was a kid and, you know, like in the car, like going shopping with my mom and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, nowadays, I, if I want if I'm, when I'm playing something, I want to play on my TV or whatever. So I think I, mean, I think yeah. these devices are really cool. I love like the all I, all in one idea. And the form factor looks really slick and all that. I just don't oh, think I should, it's for me. But I, I, I like should mention as well, it's got a slide up display and has a keyboard underneath. Which when I when I did it the, for the first time, I was just taken back to an old Windows mobile phone. That's how it felt like using it. It looks like the PSP Go too. Do you remember that? It was the last revision of the PSP that was yep. digital only. It was like one of the first digital only systems. It didn't it have the, the disc drive. It's a bit thicker though. It's about it's a good inch thick. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so what have yeah, you got? cool. I'd like to, uh, if I ever met someone that had one, I'd like to just like play around with it. But yeah, okay. So my recommendation is actually a game that you could probably play on that device if you got it. Um, it's called Patrick's Parabox. So that's Patrick and then P-A-R-A-B-O-X. Um, I was turned on to the idea of this game by uh, Game Maker's Toolkit, which is a YouTube channel I like. Every year he does like a most... Um, most innovative game of the year. And this past year, it was Neon White, which I love that game. I talked about it on an earlier episode. This was one of his honorable mentions, and it just came to uh, Switch and PlayStation. So 
I figured it was a great time to talk about it after I tried it. So um, Patrick's Parabox is a uh, block pushing puzzle game. I didn't realize this, but there's a it's a genre called Sokoban. It was a Japanese okay. block oh, pushing game that, that was popular in the in the yeah. I've heard that term, and so yeah. that game first debuted in 1982. And the point of the game is that you're basically just pushing boxes around a warehouse, and you have to have all these dots covered. Like every dot has to be covered for you to solve the puzzle. Right. So the way Patrick's Parabox, there are like hollow squares and there's a, like a goal square and every square has to be covered for you to uh, activate the goal and win. But the like, that's like the basic idea of the game, but the really cool like selling point of it is that it's a recursive game with boxes inside boxes. Yeah. So there will be like a small box in the level where you can, if you move into it, you like get sucked into it and then you walk around in that square. And then when you come out of it, you're back on the main level. There's recursive puzzles where you can like push around a box, like a miniature box that has the whole map that you're in. And when you push that box around, you can then like interact with the puzzle. So for example, if you have like, if the mini puzzle has an opening at the top, when you, when you walk out the opening at the top of the puzzle, you'll emerge from inside the mini puzzle. It sounds confusing, but there's the opening levels. It's, it's easier to see than explain, obviously. Um, and when you see those first opening levels, they explain it really well. So um, I've tried a little bit of it. It's really fun. It kind of, I, I had um, another recommendation for Baba's You a few months ago. That was my, like one of my favorite puzzle games. Um, definitely kind of getting the same energy of that, like that Eureka feeling when you solve something. Um, not quite as much going on as Baba. It's a little more straightforward, but it's really cool. Um, just like a, a fun puzzle game to solve. So um, it's on Steam and it's on uh, PlayStation and Switch now. So Patrick's Parabox, if you like puzzle games, uh, it's definitely thinks outside the box, introduces a lot of new ideas with recursion and all kinds of stuff like that. So um, definitely give it a try. It'd probably be a fun game to play like with someone side by side too. Kind of like I said about Baba's You, where mm-hmm. it's not two player per se, but to, like to have someone sitting next to you and, coming up with ideas on how to solve things. So yeah, if you're a puzzle fan, definitely look into it. It's um I've looked at the trailer. It looks really good. I love games that just like where the idea just catches my eye. And this was definitely one of those. Like I love Neon White and I, and I'm glad that was hit Game Makers Toolkits um most innovative last year. But like as soon as I saw this, I'm like, I need to play that. Um so it just came out on consoles this past week, which is why I grabbed it because I prefer to play there. But yeah, it's super clever. Yeah. I, I love puzzle games that uh, do something different. Good suggestion. And now that, um, my own suggestion, and everything else we've discussed in this week's really useful podcast, you will find links to in our show notes. We're going to wrap things up now, and uh, we'll be back for another show next week. In the meantime, if anything we've uh, discussed is of use to you or to anyone that you know, then please share the podcast with them. And if you could review the show on Apple Podcasts, If you give it a five-star review, I'll read it out. Can't say fairer than that. We'll be back for another show next week. Until then, it's goodbye.